0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, today, uh, we have a standalone message this week and next week. Uh... Before we begin another series. And this one's been uh, running through me for a little while. I don't know if you use notes on your phone. Who here, like, you live by notes on your phone and you're just always thinking? And I'm at that age where if I wake up at 2 a.m. with a thought and I don't put it down in notes, I will not wake up remembering it. And so I will wake up at 2 a.m. and I've been keeping a list for years uh, on Amy, on my kids, uh, on friends. And on this church, of all the reasons why uh, they're worthy of honor. We call it an honor list. But what I've changed that to a little bit lately is a gratitude list. Just all the reasons why I am grateful uh, to God for you, Woodland Hills family. And so at 2 a.m., I'll wake up and I'll grab the phone. And as soon as I grab it and start typing in, I will feel a hand hit my left shoulder. (laughs) And I will hear Amy go, turn down the brightness. And so I turn the brightness all the way down, and I type it out. I wish I could share it all with you today, but I wanted to take an entire Sunday to just simply tell you I thank my God for this church. I thank my God for you, and we're going to see today, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to get there today and spend a little time in the first nine verses, but we read Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians that reminds us that we're to be a people who rejoice, a people who pray, and a people who have gratitude. Christians should be known as grateful people, not people with critical spirits and burn-it-to-the-ground mentalities. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, you know I pick on studies and research around here quite a bit because I think we spend millions of dollars coming to a conclusion you and I already were at. And so years ago, a professor from my University of Miami and one from University of California got together and they did a gratitude study. They broke people into three groups. And they said, we want you to journal every week for the next 10 weeks. And the first group, they said, we want you to write down things that happened to you and why you're grateful for what happened to you. That all we want you to do is write thoughts of gratitude. To the next group, they said, we want you to write down all of your irritations and frustrations. To this group, they said, we just want you to write down what's happening to you, but don't really pay attention to whether it's negative or positive. Here we go. This is a big shock for a lot of you, I know. Which group would experience better well-being at the end of 10 weeks? (gasps) Shocker. I want to say, send me the millions of dollars that you spent on that study, and I would tell you, it's this group over here. They didn't go to the doctor as much. They said, we enjoy our relationships more. We have a more positive outlook on life. And so here's what we know from research. Gratitude improves relationships, sleep, immunity, and decreases aggravation, anxiety, and depression. In marriage, we always teach this to couples because if you will wake up each day with gratitude for your spouse... Okay, it not only will give you a more positive outlook of your spouse, but it, it opens up and provides a more safe environment for you to share, you know, concerns about your marriage or areas of improvement. But it starts with gratitude. Uh, here's what we know. If I wake up every morning with a critical spirit, I nitpick you all day, all day. My son, when he was 10, he heard Amy and I talking that we need to hire somebody to come out and power wash the driveway. And my 10 year old said, How much are you paying that person? We told him, he goes, I can do it. And we know a 10 year old's gonna do it as good as a professional. And uh, I go, Carson, I hate to say it, but I'm pretty picky about pressure washing. How many of you love pressure washing? It's one of my favorite things to do in life. And, and so I go out. And I go, okay, let me, let me teach you how to do it. So we, and I go, now listen, it's very important. It's a smooth, steady stroke, okay? You can't, don't stop over here or that area's gonna be cleaner. And I'm going, I'm just keep it going and just work your way. I don't wanna see lines. And I, I give them a 30 minute instructional video <laughs> and I go, I'm gonna go in and I'll come back out and check on you in 30 minutes. I came out 30 minutes later to this right here. I'm not going to tell you what I paid him to do that. (laughs) But isn't it something? Our kids have a good way of calling this out in us. If I wake up every morning with gratitude, I thank God for you. I call it out. I point it out. Amy and I had just one of the best Sundays a couple of weeks ago. It was a blessing for us. We were free for a morning, a Sunday morning in Southern California with no responsibilities. And I said, I want to go to my friend's church and I just want to show up. We're not telling anybody. I just want to show up like a guest. And we're just going to allow the church to minister to us and be refreshed. Oh, it was so refreshing. So we pull in, and we follow the signs for guest parking. It's in Southern California. It's a large church, very affluent church. I've been there before. And we pull in, and we, and, we, and you need to know, a lot of what happens on our campus, we picked up bits and pieces from churches around the country things we were inspired by and said, hey, we can do that at Woodland Hills. So there's like the thumbprint of so many churches and leaders around our church. And as we walk up, we're, we're not to the building yet. We hit the sidewalk. We immediately pull out our phones and start taking pictures. And I know the greeters are like, why are they taking pictures of the light stands? Why are they taking pictures of the flower buckets? And And here's what happened. My spirit started to change because I was walking into the church with, I was becoming critical, like I was looking for the flaws in it. And th- again, I know this church is larger than ours, has more money than ours. And I, I, I'm over there and Amy goes, what are you doing? I go, come here. There, there's a bald spot in the grass. I'm taking a picture of the bald spot, telling my friend, step it up, throw a little patch seed on there, come on. Then we go over to the coffee station little tiny cups, (laughs) lukewarm coffee. I'm like, you got to be, we were at the last service of the morning. They have two on Saturday and three on Sunday, but come on, step it up on the coffee. And I just, I don't know if you've ever walked on this campus like that with a critical spirit. What's going on? What was Matt wearing today? (laughs) That worship pastor needs to step it up. He should iron his shirt. What's going on in the... I can't believe how long it took to check in. And why are we labeling these kids and tagging them for the wild? (laughs) Can we all admit, it's easy to point out things that could be done better. And my problem, and I have to guard it everywhere I go, restaurants, stores, the license bureau... (laughs) And I'm like, could we just handwrite one more sign and tape it to the wall? Somebody says something you don't like, that's another sign. They're going up there right on the wall. There's literally a hundred signs. You got to read all these handwritten notes when you walk in. And I go, here's what I would do if I ran the place. You ever walk into the Verizon store? Here's how I would do it if I ran the Verizon store. You, and, we do this, and you do this when you walk on campus. If I ran this place, here's what would happen. I could walk up to the coffee shop and order whatever I want and they would have the ingredients to make whatever I want. And then we go into the service and Eric's doing a mess. Oh, I just said his name. You might be able to figure out who it is. I didn't mean to say it. (laughs) His initials are Eric Geiger. But, (laughs) And Mariner's Church is an awesome church doing great things, leading, I mean, hundreds to Christ, baptizing hundreds. And Eric is there speaking that morning on uh, anger. And... And I'm not in the mode to receive yet, because I'm still nitpicking everything I'm seeing. I wouldn't do the lights like that. I'd change that. Oh, you need me to move? I got here early for this aisle. The, this person's 20 minutes late. Why should I reward them for sleeping in? You shouldn't. Why'd you even bother coming? We're almost done. I've just, I'm all over it. And he goes, Maybe you have these two people in your life, but you have friend number one and friend number two. He goes, friend number two, everything is awesome. They're happy about everything. You're eating out with friend number one, and they're like, is this not the most amazing salad you've ever had in your life? And you're like, we're at Applebee's. Back it down a notch. (laughs) Like, it's good, but it's the same Cisco truck, white truck, blue letters that dropped off food here, then it cheddars, then it olive garden. It's all the same food. But I'm just sitting there going, I, I, he's talking about friend number one, that positive, encouraging, grateful person in your life. And I'm like, I hate that person. And then he started talking about friend number two and I go, I'm friend number two. I've been friend number two since I stepped on this campus. I've been critical the whole time I've been on this campus. Friend number two, you're at the restaurant. Sir, could you cut it to that steak to tell me if it's medium like you requested? Does that look like medium to you? That is medium rare. I Man, you have friend. I mean, you're like, I don't know which one I am. If you don't know which one you are, you're probably friend number two. All of that to say, what we're talking about today, okay, critical spirit, that's easy. And we all drift to that often. But choosing gratitude, rejoicing, praying, being a grateful people. Let me throw up just the, the characteristics of a church and ask you if you would attend a church like this. If you knew the church had divisions over church leaders, there were groups of people saying, I like, I like Shay, I like Adam, I prefer Travis. Can we hire Alex Hamaya? Why do we have to have Ted as our senior pastor? I prefer Alex uh you had people with holier than thou attitudes look down their nose at other members and it was just and it was evident like it was known uh lawsuits among believers you heard that people were suing each other in the church they were abusing the lord's supper if you knew a church was abusing spiritual gifts marginalizing poor christians and there was sexual immorality throughout the entire church let me ask would you go to that church would you invite your friend to that church Maybe some of you would say, and I I know I hear it, I hear it all the time, like when a church starts to have trouble, you'll hear people say, close the doors. They're not even believers. Like they begin to questioning whether or not a church like like that would even have believers in it if all of that was going on and not being dealt with. But today in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, you're going to get the Apostle Paul writing a letter to this church right here. You need to understand what's going on. Corinth, the city of Corinth, not the church in Corinth, but the city in Corinth at the time, notoriously immoral city. Like an immoral city. So you have brand new believers that have formed a local church, the church at Corinth in this city. Paul actually leaves the Corinthian church. The apostle Paul leaves this under the leadership of Aquila and Priscilla to go on to his second missionary journey. On his third missionary journey, during his stay in Ephesus, he receives two letters detailing the decay in the church. So catch that. Yes, it's in the city, but it is in the church. It has found its way into the church. And when you hear all that's going on in this church, you might think, burn it to the ground, start over, shut the doors. It's of no use to the kingdom. Why is all of this important? Because you're going to see the tone today. The Apostle Paul is like a father talking to his son. And I would hope that when you see immorality, arrogance, or pride in the life of your child, that your tone would be that of care and love toward your child. And not a take them out. Because that's not what you get at the introduction to this letter. Now make no mistake. He deals with all of this throughout the letter. You even see bits and pieces of what he's going to deal with in the letter, in the introduction. But I want you to hear what he shares with them and the tone in which he shares it. As you understand, Paul's gratitude in this text focuses on the Lord, not the Corinthians' faults it it it's what god is has already done in them and what he's going to continue to do in them until the day christ is revealed. So let's pick it up in chapter 1 verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of god and our brother Sosthenes. This is important to understand what's going on because in Corinth there was an intellectual superiority. Like they just they really prided themselves on their ability to think things through intellectually. And so When Paul would come in and speak, you can imagine, it's like if it doesn't live up to the level of the philosophers, that they're going to discredit him. And Paul starts this letter off by reminding them, hey, I'm called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, not by your opinion. Not by what you think of me, not by what you think of my words or how well I speak or don't speak. Know who has called me to this clearly as I write this letter. Verse 2. To the church of God, and I would add in here, to the local church of God, so we understand, because he did not talk about local church and big C church. To the local church of God in Corinth. So yes, the decay, the moral decay in the city of Corinth, but now I'm speaking directly to the believers in the city, new young believers. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. We just, we just read a list of all that was going on with the believers in Corinth, and Paul starts off by saying, to the believers to those who are called in Christ Jesus. Isn't it something today when a church is having struggles or Christians aren't acting or living up to the standard of righteousness that they have already in Christ, that people start discounting them? They're probably not even believers. That is not at all where Paul starts. He says, to those sanctified by Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. This is important. He's saying, I am coming to you from a position in Christ that I have and a position in Christ that you have. You are saints. We believe in the priesthood of believers. And you're like, that list you just read would describe saints? Yes, because the work of Christ makes a believer holy forever in God's eyes. But what he's going to share with them throughout this letter, they were far from the goal of holiness. And he will address that. Together with all those everywhere, now you know, spreading out into the Roman Empire, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a warm introduction to a letter. And it's, it's verse 4 that you can read and go, this seems odd. This seems odd, seems strange that you would say thank you like this when they're in such a mess. Look at verse 4. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. When a church is having problems, is that kind of the tone or the message you pick up online when people start going at the church? For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. Yeah, I know what the culture is pressing in on you with, but no, you have all you need in Christ. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. In other words, here, catch what he's doing. He's not just thanking them. He's thanking God for them. He's thanking God for what he has done in them and through them. And that is the key. And that's what I want to do today with our church. I want to express the gratitude list. I wish I could share the whole thing, the gratitude list I've been keeping on this church for years. I'm going to share a few with you today just to say thank you, because I think sometimes as a church, it's easy for all of us members and leaders to develop a critical spirit, to to make things better and to find ways to reach more people and to find ways to disciple people. But there are times like today that we need to stop and say, I thank my God for you. I thank my God for what he's doing in you and through you. Verse seven, therefore, and I, I want you to see here that he's starting to introduce Where later in the letter, and we have it as an epistle or a book in our Bible, right? The letter, is like three chapters worth of dealing with some of these issues he's just introducing in the introduction. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. And watch this. This is why you should never give up on the church, because the gates of hell will never prevail against it. You should never stop being a part of the local church. Young people, I can encourage you. I know it's easy, and you're surrounded by peers who are saying, discount, it's not all that important, just find a good ministry or whatever. Be a part of a local church, because watch what he says. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how long do we stick with the local church until the Lord returns or calls you home? Among all of God's people, lean in to the, the body of believers in the city or the town in which you live. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe you've seen this. I'm going to paraphrase. I've seen it said several different ways. But maybe you've seen this online. If the Apostle Paul was alive today, the church in America would get a letter. (laughs) And I agree. But every time I see it, I think to myself, it probably wouldn't say what you would want it to say. I'm almost guaranteeing you it wouldn't have the attitude in which you would want it delivered because it's usually a snarky pastor or person that's posting that or somebody that's saying like, hey, give it to the church. They deserve it. They have it coming. We just read, we just read Paul's words to a church in moral decay, in a city in moral decay. And he says, listen, God is at work in you. And I'm going to share some things with you that, that we need to live up to this standard of righteousness and holiness. We're already declared righteous because of Jesus and because of his work, not ours. But now our lives need to reflect that. Don't be transformed by the culture. Don't be moved by the culture. Don't drift in culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. Yeah, we'd get a letter. I bet we would, but it would sound different than that. And it wouldn't have this tone. These are just some of the approaches you see people taking toward the local church. They cancel culture. Like, take it out i I had a friend call me this week and said you know uh some of our staff been listening to this podcast and now they're wondering if that's really happening at our church and we're a toxic spiritually abusive church and i just i'll be honest with you i get this call so often i talk to so many people dealing with this and i'm just like listen you know disagreeing with a church member or a staff member doesn't make you toxic disagreeing with a church member or a staff member more than once doesn't make you a bully Disagreeing with a female staff member doesn't make you a misogynist. But there's just this broad stroke that we're painting over the church today. And this isn't, this isn't the approach that Paul took with the church. He didn't, he didn't come in with the critical spirit. He, he started with gratitude. Some are like firing squad. Whoever these leaders are, set them up and they're done. And that's why, that's why so many churches today and leaders today have a lot of private support, but no public support. Because the people they're seeking support from don't want to go on the radar and be in front of the firing squad. And I hope you've made your decision. Let's stand on truth. Let's do the right thing. Let's follow Jesus. And if it puts us in front of a firing squad, it puts us in front of a firing squad. I will be a guide at Dogwood Canyon in a heartbeat if that's what I'm called to do. Burn it all down. You see, it? just burn it to the ground. If there's bad fruit, uproot the tree. Get rid of the church. I'm like, okay understand the word picture weaponized anger you i know there are people in here who've been hurt by the church and again we say you may be zero percent to blame for what happened to you but you're a hundred percent responsible for your attitude moving forward and will it be a critical spirit or will you be grateful and so many blogs and articles being written on you know i call them hit pieces you also call them failure porn that we just we love it we can't get enough of it and as Abraham Lincoln once said, don't believe everything you read on the Internet. <laughs> it's not true. I, 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 had, I served a pastor in Texas, in Little Elm, Texas, and his Thanksgiving message every year, he would stand up and he preached the same message every Thanksgiving. He's a dear friend. His initials are Scott Jackson. And... Uh, <laughs> He's at Wachita now, but he, he'd open his Bible and, and he would go, Today I want to talk to you about the attitude of gratitude. And I, I still remember those messages because, again, I can walk in and go, Oh, there's so and so. Oh, there's. So-and-so. And every church has it. Every church has I, I heard from Chuck Swindoll last week in one of his messages. Great, great story. He said, There's church gossip, and everybody was so tired of this gossip. And one day she was driving down the road and she saw Elmer's. Elmer went to the church, older guy in the church. His truck was parked in front of the bar. She started running her mouth. And she started telling people, Elmer's a drunk. Saw his truck out in front of the bar. Caught Elmer at church and said, I saw your truck out in front of the bar. And I know what's going on in there. I know what you're doing. Elmer, knowing her reputation and knowing his character and his walk with the Lord, he didn't say a word because he knew there are other ways you can deal with a church member like this. He said, you know what? My car broke down. My car broke down, and I had to park it there to wait on the tow truck. But he didn't go back and forth with her. All he did was, that night, he parked his truck in her driveway. (laughs) (laughs) And he left it there all night. (laughs) Let's give him something to talk about. A little something to figure out. So can I share with you in the 10 minutes we have remaining seven reasons why I thank our, thank my God for our church and, uh, a lot of these have been written, I mean, just all different times and places. Just think, And I know I, I want to do this because I know sometimes I make a lot of jokes and I can get snarky and I can have the critical spirit asking the Lord to work on all that. And you're thinking, I turn 50 next year. I should be getting into, I should be figuring this out by now. Okay, but I, I just, I, I don't think we say it enough. I thank you often for your generosity. But there's so much more to be grateful for with what God is doing in this church. And the critical spirit's easy. And uh, so here we go. Number one. You expect strong biblical theology and teaching. And, and when you don't get it, I hear about it. And I've been quoting some pastors for years who have changed on some things, and people really come after me. And, and I, I've been accused, you know, in recent years of going woke. I don't even know what that means anymore. But I can tell you what I believe about the Bible, what I believe about God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, what I believe about salvation, what I believe about life in the womb, what I believe about marriage, sex, gender, sexuality, none of that has changed since we started this church 21 years ago. None of it's changed. And we speak clearly on it. We give whole Sundays to it. You hear me address it often. But Paul told Timothy, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine." Right? Instead, to suit their own desires and to live the way they want to live and to choose their identity and to be who they want to be and to define themselves however they want to, they're not going to put up with what you've been teaching. And we've seen this. We're in this time. Okay? They will gather around them a great number of teachers on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter to say what their itching ears want to hear. So please understand, when you walk into this church, we're not going to tell you what you want to hear. We're going to you, talk to you and share with you what you need to hear. And we'll be clear on that. And I thank you that you've always, always had that heart at this church. Number two, you thrive on fellowship, not hype. And you know, I've said this often around here. You never, Maybe one time on Facebook, I posted as a joke that, hey, join us Sunday. The sermon's going to be lit. I don't do the lit emojis, primarily because... The sermon could be okay. Like, it may be a single or a double. It's not everything you ever hear here or see here is going to be a home run. I don't know if you're watching the playoffs, but somebody hits a single at the right time. Man, the whole place goes nuts. So singles and doubles can win the game. Can I get an amen on that one right there? So I get that. So we don't thrive on this. Sunday's going to be the most amazing service you've ever been to in your life. Probably not. You've probably been to better. But you know what you thrive on? Because I see it. I see it all Sunday here, our gatherings. I mean, I walk in and you're just, you're spending time with people. You're enjoying the fellowship of people. We read about the first century church in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Koinonia, being together, brothers and sisters in Christ, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We focus more on fellowship, more on hope, and I just want to say thank you for how much you enjoy each other and how much you enjoy gathering together. Number three, you support a plurality of leaders. Can I say thank you for that? I thank my God for you that you've embraced the biblical model of a plurality of elders because what happens is it allows everybody to continue to do ministry more effectively and with greater longevity. This is not a pastor-led church. I don't call all the shots. I don't count the money. I don't determine where the money goes. I'm, part, I'm a voice in the process, but we have a plurality of elders. We have a whole staff. We have so many people making decisions and you don't expect. I love when people will email me or come in and be like, hey, the buck stops with you. I got a problem, and here's where it goes. And I'm like, and I'm telling you, go back to the person that you're having an issue with, and one-on-one, you two figure it out. We're not a pastor-led church. We're not a committee-led church praising my father in heaven for that one. We're not a a congregationally-led church. We're led by a plurality of leaders. So Paul says to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete, and my family had the opportunity to visit there years ago, uh, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished. But guess what, Titus? You don't have to do this all by yourself. You appointed elders in every town as I directed you. In other words, we, the job is to equip all of us for the work of ministry, and that is spread out. And I'm just grateful for a church. You don't expect me to do all the teaching. You don't expect me to do all the leading, and I just can't wait. Next week, I'm here. Um, I never say who's speaking, but your favorite preacher's here, Alex Maya. Uh, <laughs> but can I tell you, I get to be here next week as just part of it and i love that because that fellowship's even more intense when i don't have to keep a message or an outline in my head i'm just grateful that you allow that number 4 you are generous to meet needs of church members i say this in the next one almost every week but as you continue reading about the first century church they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need It's why we never shy away from telling you and encouraging you to give give and we don't, we don't meet needs around here with $25 gift cards for a snack today to get you through the day. We meet significant needs of our church members. We take this very seriously. And that's why some of you have had your rent paid, you've had mortgages paid, you've had cars fixed, you've had utilities turned back on, you've had groceries paid for for the week. And, and why does that happen? Because that's what we are called to do as believers in Christ Jesus. We are to bring our resources together together And make sure no one in this church or no one that calls Woodland Hills Family Church their church home, that no one in here has need. And you do that. Share with the Lord's people, Paul said, who are in need. Practice hospitality. Number five, beyond just here in our church, you are generous with support for ministries in town and missions around the world. You know, there's a lot of ministries in town that do a lot of great work, and we give them a one-time gift at the beginning of the year as they're starting out and... uh, I've just been blown away that that we've been able to give that again as I shared with you again in the fall. So there are some ministries that we gave this amount to, you know, year after year after year after year. But because of your generosity this year, that gift, it's like a 4X multiplier on it. Four times what we've given them in the past. Again, because of your generosity. To ministries that aren't impacting you or your family. You're just saying, get the gospel out. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth and missions around the world. In Philippians... You know, we read Philippians 4.13 often, and we forget that that's in the context of Paul sharing about contentment. And Paul's saying, I can, I can weather extreme circumstances because I'm, I'm in Christ, and he meets my needs. So we often forget Philippians 4.13 is in the context of, of generosity, and here's what he says. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you uh, Philippians, know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. I think it's one of the greatest joys I have in this church is when a missionary calls and says, the truck broke down, we're having this ministry take place and we can only afford to have 100 pastors or leaders from whatever nation it is around the world come, but we know there's more need and more want to come. Would Woodland Hills consider? And what's great is the answer is yes. Not just consider, we want to participate in what God is doing in Kenya, in Ethiopia, in Haiti, in Indonesia, and just thank you, church, for that. Number six, you are grateful. And I know I joke around here a lot about the people, small coffee cups and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, 99.9% of you, I mean, you show up every week just thank you, thank you, thank you for all that was put into it. You thank every, And I hope today when you leave and you pick up your kids at Critter Street, Wildwoods, Crew, all of it, that you just say, hey, thank you. And it's, it is a sincere thank you for watching my kid. I know my son. <laughs> and I want to say it again. Thank you. <laughs> Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. I hope our church is always known in this community as a church that rejoices, prays, worships, and has sincere gratitude. He continues in Colossians 3 with this next one, the last one, number 7. Your gratitude for the Lord is evident when you worship. And I experienced that again in our first gathering. I experienced it again here at 10 o'clock. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I've got the best seat in the house right here on this corner chair, and I want you to know it's not my seat. If anybody in here, courtyard, over at the chapel wants this seat, it's yours anytime. Take it, and you'll find no greater joy than to turn during worship and to look back over the congregation with hands lifted in praise and people pouring out their hearts to the Lord. Uh, It brings me great joy every week We have 48 seconds left (laughs) And I need to share five more with you And uh, I'm going to see if I can do it real quick I think I can because I'm not going to comment on it Here's just five more because I just couldn't stop sharing the list And my list is longer, much longer than 12 Number eight, you invite your family and friends Thank you And when other people invite their family and friends You warmly welcome all of our guests Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for parking over in Express. And I know some of you are like, you don't need to thank me. That's where I want to get out of here. <laughs> I refuse to be trapped. But thank you for thinking about our guests when it comes to our seats. And some of you thinking about going to 815 or 1145. It's just a great opportunity for you to express that. You serve faithfully. And some of you have served for decades in this church. Thank you. Some of you are just getting started. Join what the Lord is doing here at Woodland Hills. Number 11, you let us be creative. Thank you. Some of you, I know, when we do the you know, Super Bowl thing, it's like, that's no place. Well, it's a gathering where we worship, yes, we teach, yes, we also have fellowship. And we can have fun around a sporting event with, without it being idolatry. And there are times we do uh, you know crazy things around here that didn't work. We go to the back at 8.15 a lot going, that didn't work, and you don't ever see it at 10. But that's why people love going to 8.15. It's like the unplugged, unrecorded, Ted will say things that won't get him canceled at 8.15. At 10, he's a little more reserved. But can I just tell you, sometimes it doesn't always work. But, but the, we just feel this overwhelming freedom here to try things that don't work. And people are like, but I brought my grandma that Sunday. And she goes to First Baptist, whatever. And that that was not the time to do that, Ted, so... And number 12, you love to laugh. Cheerful heart's are good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So thank you. I love you. Woodland Hills Family Church, would you pray with me? Father, Father, grateful for what you're doing in our church. And I thank you for each one in here, for each one outside, for each one at the chapel, for each online, for all those who are serving, all the kids. We thank you for what you have done in us, what you will continue to do through us until the day Christ Jesus is revealed. For the one that's never placed faith in Jesus, we ask that this be the day of their salvation. They would come forward, meet with someone from our prayer team, and place faith alone in Christ alone. We pray all this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, amen. Amen.